Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast, a show by wrestling fans, for wrestling fans, looking at everything happening inside and outside the squared circle. My name is Jack Murley. I'm a professional broadcaster, joined each and every week by professional rugby player Charlie Beckett. Charlie, how the devil are you? I am very well, thank you, Jack. Wrestling is just really good at the moment, so I'm a happy boy. I'm a very happy boy. It's, just, it's, it's nice to come on here after some of the times we've had in the last 18 months, how long we've been doing this, which is mad, by the way. And we just be able to talk about good stuff in wrestling because we've had some bad stuff to talk about. So it's nice to be able to go, yeah, wrestling's good. I'm enjoying it. I feel like after last week, which was a bit of a sleeper week where there wasn't quite as many crazy things happening in wrestling, it has picked back up again. We will be talking about Logan Paul versus Roman Reigns for the undisputed WWE Championship. Yes, really, that is happening. Survivor Series gets a classic WCW slash NXT stipulation added to it, and the fight pit is returning. But we kick off with AEW putting on one of their biggest shows of the year so far. They return to the Arthur Ashe Stadium in New York for Grand Slam. We record on the morning of Rampage, 48 hours after Dynamite, and there is a new AEW World Champion. John Moxley gets the gold back again. And you can't complain, can you? I think we both said last week we thought it was time for Danielson, but also Mox was having an unbelievable reign as the interim champ before he lost it back to Punk, so you can't complain. I absolutely see why they've done it, and we have to go into um, Mox and MJF, surely. MGF was all over this show, winding up the Blackpool Combat Club and just there with his... Well, just when you thought you got used to wrestlers carrying silly objects that allow them cash-ins in a briefcase, you see MJF sat there with a massive casino chip. And it just reminds you how silly wrestling is. I thought they'd forgotten about the casino chip. I thought it was just going to be implied and that he was going to get a match whenever he would like, but it wasn't going to be like a cash-in thing. And then you see him, smug as only MJF can be, sat in that skybox at the Arthur Ashe Stadium, clutching that thing like a baby. And you're right, he was painted across that show. From start to finish, MJF was one of the big things in it. And MJF mocks. We criticise AEW sometimes for being overcomplicated. Well, this is this is a way to go. If you're looking for simplicity in wrestling, MJF, John Moxley, get it going, get that feud started. Why not? I think the worry we had that MJF would come back and wouldn't be quite as over or quite as hot or the reaction wouldn't be there for him was not anything we needed to be worried about, was it really? Because listen to that crowd whenever he comes out. It is bonkers. Um, genuine question with the chip. Do we know if it's like the briefcase, and you cash it in whenever you want? Or is it a, I would like a match on the 12th of October, please? My understanding initially was you just get a match. You get to say, you pick a date and you you do it that way. But I think the way Tony Khan's been talking about it is it now becomes like money in the bank where you can cash it in. I think that's what they're sort of talking about. And what you read is that's why they had MJF in the skybox, so people knew that he wasn't going to run down and cash it in which I guess is testament to Chris Jericho creating that gimmick all those years back, that it still is over like Rover in different companies. Absolutely. Everyone has done a rip-off version, essentially, of the money in the bank, haven't they? Um, because it is like some of the greatest moments in wrestling in the last 20 years have come from money in the bank cashings. And I'm saying what you like about it recently, but early money in the banks were just unbelievable. Those cashing moments, the crowd going mad. When, when they catch you properly off guard with one, Brilliant. So I absolutely have no issue with AW basically ripping it off and going, yeah, we're going to do our own version. 
Because why wouldn't you? Because if you can do it better than WWE are doing it at the moment, then why wouldn't you? And also, tell me the last original version of something that someone didn't rip off or someone didn't get the idea of it from something else. Out and out original idea. It's been a while. It probably is money in the bank, isn't it, actually? If you look at gimmicks that have that have held and stood the test of time, it is money in the bank. So AEW really going quite simple with this. You've got your uber babyface in John Moxley. You've got your uber heel in MJF. That is going to be the program that you think would see you through the autumn and winter. And I'm on board for it because I think MJF hasn't missed a step since he's been back. And John Moxley has risen to the challenge. I think this is, this is the way... Yet we said Danielson, but you look with hindsight being 2020, of course this is the way to go. Absolutely, it, it, it makes sense and it'll be a great reign, I'm sure. Here's something I could see MJF doing. MJF could earn himself a title shot just through being the number one contender because right now, let forget the chip, who else would you put against him, really? Against MGF Mox. Is the ob- against Mox. MJF's the obvious choice, isn't he? Yeah. Right now, whether he has the casino chip or not. I can see somehow storyline being that, that he gets a title shot without cashing in the chip, just like low-blowing Mox and absolutely battering him through a DQ in the match and then cashing his chip in. Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, MJF could even, you have a heel become number one contender and MJF buys a number one contendership off them or something like that. You've got so many ways to go with this. I, I think it's really, really smart. I do think that Brian Danielson, and this is nitpicking, maybe got a little bit lost in the shuffle of everything that was going on. I thought they did a really good job building to it, but you didn't really hear that big Brian Danielson interview about it's a year on from Grand Slam, I'm desperate to win the belt. They spoke about avenging losses. I, I think, again, with the benefit of hindsight, it was always going to be Mox's night. Yeah, I think probably we got a bit excited. I know we're both Danielson fans, not that we're not Mox fans and want to see him with another world title run. Interesting what they do with Danielson next. Mm. Does he go over and challenge Jericho for the Ring of Honor world title and try and put some real prestige back on that because they've been having a little bit of a storyline recently anyway? Let's talk about that. Chris Jericho becoming the eight-time world champion. He wins the Ocho, the ROH World Championship against Claudio Castagnoli. The Ocho. I'm sorry. The Ocho. I, I love, love it. It makes me think of, have you watched um, Dodgeball? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. From ESPN Ocho. It makes me think of that every time. It's just such a Jericho thing. Jericho is like the guy you meet who can't help but give everyone nicknames. He, we all mm. have that person in your life where you meet him and within two or three minutes you've got a nickname and this guy has a nickname for everything. Jericho can't go into a feud without thinking something needs a gimmick. I've got to get something over. And you just know he's going to do this calling that title Ocho the whole time. And what I love is Tony Khan as a strategy. If he needs to make something more important, he just throws it to Chris Jericho and says, come on, Chris, what are you going to do with that? And Jericho always delivers. Yeah, it's not a bad strategy at all because he's one of the biggest names in wrestling. He's one of the names that people outside of wrestling know. He's one of those names that if you're not, if you're a very, very, very casual wrestling fan, you'll know who Chris Jericho is. He's done the Dancing with the Stars. He's obviously fuzzy. He's got, he crosses other forms of entertainment and straight away gets pedigree to that title and, is so interesting. You can't not watch what Chris Jericho does when you are. If you've only got a half an hour to pick up on some of what's going on in AW, and you see Chris Jericho's doing something, I'd say most people will take time to watch what Jericho's doing, and that makes sense. Of this, you've got to. We were talking last week that Ring of Honor felt a bit lost in the shuffle of what was going on in AW. This is a way to get it not lost to make people put eyes on it, and it's tough for Claudio that he his first world title reign was. Let's be honest, a non-event. 
it was a non-event, but it was on a brand that has been demeaning for a while anyway, that has basically been one of the indies for a long, long time. And then just because one of the big boys bought it didn't mean it was important straight away. And unfortunately, with Claudio's reign, apart from the fact that it was a great wrestler being world champion, which there's been lots of great wrestlers being Ring of Honor world champions, we weren't given a reason to care about it. And that's why I don't think really that many people did. I think it's really smart. And I don't think Claudia loses anything by losing to Chris Jericho. And we were picked up last week by Andrew, one of our super loyal listeners to this podcast, who we appreciate very much when you were saying, and I was sort of disagreeing about whether you make Rampage a Ring of Honor show. Well, if you put the belt on Jericho, and Jericho's already a commentator on Rampage, would I be more likely to watch Ring of Honor Rampage, which Andrew's argument was, look, there's already title matches on Rampage for the Ring of Honor title. It's already sort of going that way. If they were to do a hard brand split and say Rampage is Ring of Honor Rampage with Chris Jericho as the man on top, little rivalry bubbling away with Daniel Garcia, would I be more likely to watch it? Yeah, I would. And that's why you put it on Jericho. And 51 years old, still having great matches. I've thought about this quite a lot this week, more than I should have. I've got other things going on in my life that should take up time one day, but I've thought a lot about Ring of Honor Rampage. And I had a really good chat with Andrew about it on Twitter, and I, although he disagrees, and like I say, that, that's the beauty of it. Imagine me able to disagree with someone just having a normal conversation about it on Twitter. It's oh. almost like not allowed. Um, I, I absolutely think it's the way to go. I think it makes people watch Ring of Honor. I think it makes people watch Rampage, and it gives a slightly different feel to a show. I, if I was Tony Khan, that's something I'd be looking very seriously at. Also, I think Ring of Honor Rampage is a great name. I agree. I think it's a great name. It doesn't make it feel less than Dynamite because it is different. It's You're either, as Eric Bischoff says many times, and I agree, you're lesser than, you're better than, or you're different than. And Rampage feels lesser than Dynamite. Jericho on it, making it Ring of Honor Rampage, feels better than. So I think we've actually been one way round to that way of thinking that maybe I was disagreeing with you on last week, purely because of Chris Jericho. But seriously, 51 years young, and he's going out there. And I don't think really, apart from maybe a stint during the pandemic, where I think he can be forgiven because we all put on a bit in the pandemic and it was a difficult time, Chris Jericho's still having amazing matches. You never see Chris Jericho in the ring and go, ah, do you know what? I'm not sure he's got it anymore. And that is extraordinary. Yeah, he absolutely still goes. But I think you watch his style now compared to maybe 20 years ago. He's very smart in the fact that he picks up his big spots and the things that you do remember, but actually probably looks after himself a bit more in between the big spots. He's not as high flying, not as fast in between the spots, but still gives you the spots that are what you remember. He's just a very, very smart operator in everything he seems to do. Well, you look at it and you think, what's his finisher now? The Judas effect. Well, it wasn't really for th- until three years ago when he started doing New Japan and AEW. That's, I could do the Judas effect. Spinning back elbow, you can do till you're in your 70s if you want to. Walls of Jericho, you can do. I mean, he's just such a smart worker. So, so good. Tell you what I love about the Judas effect elbow is as well. One, the name. Outstanding a name. And two, yeah, if someone did elbow you that hard in the face, you would go down. Like, it's just realistic. Elbows are hard and pointy and hurt if they get you in the face. Trust me, I've had plenty. So if someone does that to you, you're going down. It just makes it. I love finishers that make sense, that almost are like really like, you see MMA fighters in UFC win with spinning back elbows. You see that, again, one of my favourite finishes is the Black Mass, isn't it? Yeah. You see spinning heel kicks finish UFC fights. This is why I love these finishes. And they're not high risk, high flying. They're just really quite gritty. Next time you inadvertently elbow someone during a game of rugby, can you just stand over them and go, Judas effect and walk what away. About, 
what about next time I do it overtly? I would never, I would never dare to suggest that you may throw an elbow. Could you imagine, could you imagine the game if I just whispered to someone, Judas effect, what they would think? I'd love it. Because a rumour would go around the championship, there was this guy starting to behave like that, and then you would find another wrestling fan who would do it back to you and just go, you can't see me. And it would be this whole thing that no one ever knew. So, great Um, to... Oh, imagine if that... Oh, Jack, I want that to happen now. That's not going to happen in my life, and it's going to be sad. You got a game this weekend? Yep, I'm I, a Judas Effect. I expect to hear you, someone go, this guy Judas affected me. Anyway, so big day for Chris Jericho, big day for John Moxley. Biggest night of all was for the artist formerly known as Paige Soraya, debuts in a big way. If you're going to come to a new company, do it at Grand Slam, do it at the Arthur Ashe Arena in front of more than 10,000 fans, about 16,000, I think, in the building. Huge pop for her and good for her. Yeah, what an absolutely brilliant pop. Because she will have been nervous because it's been a while. And obviously she couldn't use the name that people know her. So Soraya goes up on the on the Titan Tron and most fans will know who that is, but not everyone. Because if Paige had gone up, everyone would know straight away. And just outstanding pop for her. You've got to love that. And um, yeah, just I'll be very interested because obviously she's had to leave WWE on medical grounds. Be very interested if she's in as a manager or if she's found doctors who will clear her. I, I don't I don't know if she alludes that much that I didn't see, maybe a backstage, I don't know if I didn't missed it, uh, but that's a great get for AEW either way, just the eye she will bring to the company. She's still a huge draw in wrestling, whether she's wrestling or whether she's managing. What I love is, and we don't know, you didn't miss anything, or if you did, I missed it as well. We don't know what's going on, whether she can wrestle. Um, For me, it's, it's you look at a situation where now in the industry, Edge... Brian Danielson, Paige, and Christian Cage, who all we thought were medically retired, let's assume that Soraya is able to wrestle. You've got four people who love wrestling being able to do what they love again due to medical advancements, changes in treatment, whatever it may be. And I think that's great. When people can pursue their dream, let's say she can get some matches under her belt if that's what she wants. How amazing for her to get that back in her life. Yeah, it's so brilliant to see these people cleared to come back and safely do what they love doing you you always want people to be able to finish or be able to end on their own terms so it's always sad when people have to go away through injury so the fact that they clearly it must be safe for them to come back doctors must be passing them fit and medically cleared it's brilliant because you don't want to see in any sport people have to retire before they're ready or before their time so it's brilliant for them and then for us as fans these brilliant superstars these brilliant wrestlers are back performing for us and they always seem to have that little bit extra hunger when they come back from an injury which you completely understand because it's been taken away from them now they're getting to do it again so just brilliant news for her for AW, and for us and hopefully as long as she's fit and safe to hopefully see a wrestle because I think we forget because there's because she's such a great talker and because there's obviously been a lot of controversy away from the ring with Soraya now not Paige whatever we're calling her I think we forget what a brilliant wrestler she is. She is exceptional in the ring. She was in that generation who were 18 months, a year too early, perhaps, perhaps. Because was it WrestleMania 31 was in uh, Los Angeles, I think. And that was where yes. it was Paige and AJ against the Bellas, possibly. I think they got three minutes in a tag match at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 32 
was Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. So in the space of that year period between WrestleMania and WrestleMania, the women's revolution, boom, it was there. And without Paige doing what she did in NXT and then going up to the main roster, you wouldn't have got there. And it was really cruel that she never got to have those matches. So if she is able to compete in AEW uh, as Soraya, we wish her all the best. I personally am delighted for the acclaimed becoming World Tag Team Champions. They've worked their way up from the bottom to the top and huge pop for them. Swerve in their glory never hugely clicked for me. The acclaimed are over. Get the belts on them. They are so over. And your best mate. <laughs> he's someone we've had on the other podcast a couple of times, and I can tell you he's a lovely guy, is Anthony Bowens. Huge moment for him. But who would have known scissor me daddy ass would get over? I I just sometimes still think, how is that something we're shouting? But we are. And we're there. We're there, aren't we? Wrestling. Um, so it, what is brilliant to see, just a homegrown, organically grown, not forced on anyone's throat, got over of their own accord tag team, just be, so that pop when they came out was enormous, enormous. They are so over. And I just want to see them versus FTR on a proper program. Don't, that is the tag team program, I think. Don't you think FTR are who the acclaimed need next? Because yeah. the the acclaimed have elevated themselves. And God, they did it in a pandemic as well. They were put together in a pandemic. So it's not like they were over, the pandemic came, and they coasted through it. They had to get over in a building with no fans, where fan reaction is a huge part of it. The, the FTR acclaimed feud could be the grit that elevates them again and i wouldn't mind the acclaimed snatching a win over ftr i mean that think how credible that would make them i think it's great it's all upside yeah i think absolutely i think getting getting in with ftr who almost ftr storyline with has to be forget your sizzle daddy ass forget your rap forget all your funny stuff we are going to fight we are fighting we are wrestling because we don't think you can actually do that and then they claim to show they can. And that's it just adds more legitimacy to them as a tag team. And more important right now, them as the champions. So I absolutely think that is the way to go. It makes sense for a number of reasons. Also, I know it's face versus face technically, but two hugely popular teams. Get them in there together. Keep And keep them both face. Keep them yep. both face. And no need to turn either one of them. Have them just battle it out, see who's better. And you know what, what it needs to end with? It needs to end with them all knocking them into the ring after their third match. And a handshake. Let's talk about WWE. Now, last week we speculated on what was going on with Logan Paul and Roman Reigns. This week we know they're going to meet one on one in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel for the undisputed WWE Championship. Ah, Charlie, what do we think of it? Of course it's happening in Saudi Arabia. Of course it is. This is just screams Saudi Arabia, doesn't it? Um, the first thing I've got to say is I loved the boxing-style press conference. Mm. I thought that was really cool. I thought that's a different sort of dynamic in wrestling that comes from MMA, that comes from boxing. I was a big fan of that. I'd like to see more of them for their big fights. That's the first thing I've got to say. Am I that excited for this match? Not really, because do I seriously, seriously think Logan Paul is going to beat Roman Reigns? No, I don't. Can I let you into another secret? I'm really, Always. I'm really excited about this match. Are you? I think this has got huge potential to be something very special. 
And here is why. Do you remember those old Royal Rumbles where it was Brock Lesnar against Hardcore Holly and you knew that Holly wasn't going to win the belt, but you got some quite interesting storytelling out of it? I think yeah. I think we're going to get some really interesting storytelling out of this because it's so easy. You put Logan Paul there and you say, I know I'm only here because of my celebrity. I know I've only got one chance to beat you, but all it takes is one shot. And why can't I be the one shot that shocks the world? Don't worry about how I've got here. I'm here now. And what would it mean to Roman Reigns to lose not to The Rock, not to Brock Lesnar, but to Logan Paul? And one shot is all it takes. Now, that story with Heyman, with Paul, with Reigns is different. And different isn't always bad, particularly for a Saudi show. I don't disagree at all, actually. And the whole underdog story of all the pressure is on you. All the pressure is on you, Reigns. Imagine if you lose to me is definitely one that's a great one to tell. I tell you what Logan's got to up his game on, though, is is his promo from the weekend. Because Roman delivered a barnstormer where he basically said, you could be the third show on, the third match on any show I main event. I then just said, oh, it was so good. The point where I showed my girlfriend, I was like, watch this. I know you don't like wrestling, but watch how good this is. He says, you've got to crawl before you can walk, walk before you can run. And even those who run, most of them can't fly with the tribal chief. And I was like, ah, oh, oh, you're so good. And then Logan Paul said, you might be the head of the table, but any industry I've been in, I'm the table. And just, what what does that mean, Logan? What What does that mean, mate? He probably stood in front of his bathroom mirror in his palatial house, which has more bathrooms than there are houses in my cul-de-sac, I'm sure. And he probably practiced that a fair few times. Like, I've nailed this. I am the table. I'm the table. I'm the table. And then he gets out there and says it. Crickets. Nothing it was at just, all. It was so partridge. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was so partridge. But going back to this, I am very excited for this in the fact that I'm very excited for the storyline. I'm just not sure about the match. And here's another thing as well. Would you rather they did this Throw away Logan Paul, Roman Reigns. Not really any consequences on the wider world title picture. Or would you rather they fed Roman Drew to beat again? Or they rushed through the Sami Zayn program? Or they built up Kevin Owens? This is a way to create something intriguing on a show that doesn't really matter and that isn't going to waste one of your top guys. I'm sort of all for that. I, I think, and we also know that Logan has, providing this match isn't, a Shane McMahon special where Logan Paul backs Roman Reigns into the corner and is throwing punches and they're going, wow, Logan's at his level. This needs to be Logan being absolutely battered for 90% of the match and in the last five or 10 minutes, not dying, not going down, beginning to show that he can snatch a pinfall. That's what it needs to be. I agree with everything you said on the, it's better to do this and get eyes on it and a standalone match rather than rush. Sammy or feed Drew again because there is some really, really, really interesting stuff happening with Sammy Zayn in the background on this, Jack. Like, really interesting. And Solo Sokoa, I might have said his name wrong. I can't say his name right. I keep getting it wrong. But it's very interesting how he loves Sammy 
It really is. It really <sighs> is absolutely fascinating. I think it's going to be one of the... What I love is multi-layered storytelling. And this isn't multi-layered storytelling like you see where you have to know things from years and years gone by to put it together. This is multi-layered playing out on, on my TV each week. I can understand it. I'm seeing it happen. I'm being told. I'm being led through it. You're looking... I said last week, Kevin Owens, my early pick to win the Rumble. A Sami Zayn rumble win would be great. We want to get onto War Games Survivor Series in a moment or two, um, but just War Games. Yeah, do you know what? Let's do that now. The rebranding of Survivor Series as War Games, <laughs> and it, it it needed it. It needed a revamp, didn't it? It really did. Like the Raw versus SmackDown stuff doesn't work at the moment because there is no well, there's no two champions to have start. So why is there should be any brand split? So there's no brand split. It needed this rebrand. And surely we get a bloodline versus someone. It has to be, doesn't it? Is it? I mean, yes. You, you, right, so here's, here's my thing. It's either you have to do the bloodline versus someone, or have they been building this for Judgment Day? Have they been building up Judgment Day, this stable, to be a, ah, oh, no, you're pulling a face, you really don't like that idea. I would be very underwhelmed if we got the Judgment Day in there. Also, there's only four of them, and I haven't seen any mixed-gender war games matches, so... I I would not like that. I think we're going Bloodline versus Team Logan Paul. I think that's what we'll fall out of uh, Saudi into Survivor Series with. See, I want Logan Paul to be one and done. Okay, I want that. I don't want a Team Logan Paul. A Team Drew? Nah, that would be a different thing. Bloodline versus Team Drew would, would work for me. Um, And I... I don't want two war games, but I'm being really picky now. Just war games makes me excited about Survivor Series. The fact we're getting that match is really exciting. And Triple H is basically, he's like the guy who's inherited his dad's house and has hated the furniture for a long time. Has been like, right, let's do up the lounge now. I can put my stamp on it. You wonder how long he's been thinking about doing this. Yeah, he's he's had these ideas for years. He's gone home, gone staff, and she's gone. Just wait, Paul. Just wait. Um. So, no, so they announced there'll be two, didn't they? So there's going to be a women's war games match as well, I think. Do you think Damage Control recruit two more people? Yeah, I think they have to. I think it's going to be possibly Damage Control and uh, maybe a woman's champion from one brand, but then it's a face, so that doesn't really work. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. But you don't... Damage Control plus Naomi and Sasha coming back to join them and then turned on them or wild like that? Oh, hello. Yes. Well, there we go. You've booked it. That would be fantastic. Let's do that. Three plus two makes five, and they need five. Well, that's it. We've got it. That's what you're going to do. That's your first one. And, uh, yeah, the bloodline in the second against some sort of Drew McIntyre invitational. Immediately, it's got us more excited than what was going on at Survivor Series in years gone past. So I think anything that gets us talking like this is a huge improvement. Definitely. Hey, another gimmick that's back... Fight pit, Charlie. I like a fight pit match. I'd like to be in a fight pit match. I like them. They are good. They're cool. I And we're getting Riddle against Rollins in a fight pit match, which what I love about this version of WWE is how many different strands they have going on. So we've got, right, Roman against Logan Paul. That's going to be happening at Crown Jewel. We know Survivor Series War Games is coming, so you can get excited about that. Extreme Rules, Riddle against Rollins, fight pit, Love it. Just just love everything about that. Yeah, it makes sense as well. A, a few that it does deserve just a no-holds-barred fight. They hate each other. Riddle is an MMA fighter. He wants to fight, but the fight pit is kind of his match. It makes sense. It just all makes sense. And you could also spin it round to say where you go afterwards is Riddle against Rollins at War Games. 
in terms of put them with two teams. I mean, if you if what you're saying is a bloodline needs to stay strong and separate from this gimmick, I think you could get Rollins versus Riddle as a credible replacement for an amazing War Games match. And I don't remember if Riddle has done War Games. I know that Seth Rollins hasn't done War Games, which would be an amazing first for him. And just imagine, I don't know what the time frame is, but imagine if Riddle said he was going to have a surprise entrant in his team and he could bring Randy out. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing. And wouldn't you like to see Rollins just try for one episode to tap up Roman Reigns for his team? Just some S.H.I.E.L.D. vibes. I would pay a lot of money to see Seth Rollins, just to, to, to see Roman chatting to Paul Heyman and just hear that hideous laugh in the background and the Roman Reigns eye roll and just turn around and be like, what? And it's like, so big dog, you know, got this war games coming up. And obviously, I just put his fist in and just Rome just like shake his head at him. I'd have a lot of time for that. And then Seth just walks away. Seth just goes. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what you need to do. Who yeah. who would you have on your team for war games? Well, I thought a lot about this. And obviously you and Dan with your Muay Thai <laughs> straight away. Uh, I'd be happy. And that'd be it. We'd take everyone else on three on five. Oh, you um, think so? Just you two. Uh, I would go down the route of people I know. I'd just get the biggest team I could. I've played with a lot of big people. So straight away, big Carl Burgess, big... If you're caught in rugby, if you are called big something, you're big. So the two have done that. And then big Greg, big Greg Patterson and US International put Newcastle. I'd just make a giant team. I'd be like, we're just bigger than you. Wouldn't you worry, though, because you would have to be locked in that cage before you're released? I mean, if you were too big, you literally wouldn't fit in the, the shark cage at the top end to get let down. Be a squeeze. Yeah, yeah, but we'd we'd be make do somehow. We'd make do somehow. You also need the one at the top who's going to jump off the cage because it is obligatory. So who of your big mates is going to jump off the top of the cage? Oh, I'd probably be me. I'd probably do the stupid thing. Like I'm no good at it, but I'd be the one they'd they'd me up, go on back at you do yeah. I'm like yeah or yeah. You know what the worst trait is? All it takes is someone to go. Bet you couldn't do that. And I'm like, yeah, I can do it. Yeah, no, I'll do that. I'll show you. And most of the time I can't. So they just go, bet you can't jump off the top. I'm like, I can jump off the top. Okay. Well, I would have you on my War Games team. I would have... To jump to jump off the top. Just to jump off things. I would probably have uh, Ant and Deck, because you need a tag team. You need a little, <laughs> Ant and Deck. You need a little tag team, some tag team. Uh, and then you need someone who's a little bit crazy, who would do just about anything. So probably Johnny Knoxville, someone like that, I think. Yeah, Great not team. bad at all. Not bad at all. That's good. Um, Jack, I have a... Um... I have a confession of how easily swayed I am. Would you like to hear my confession? Go for it. I am such a tart for black and gold that all it took was a little tease and I watched quite a bit of NXT again this week. Right, okay. I haven't watched NXT. I have had a fairly busy week, so I haven't had the chance to get back to it. What was your thought dropping back and visiting your old favourite show? Oh, it's strange. Things have changed a little bit. But the two big things taken this week is uh, Sokoa has dropped the North American title because Sean told him it wasn't a sanctioned match. I mean, just have him lose it in the ladder match that's coming up, lads. We didn't need that. It was very, Sean was like, and I wish you the best of luck on Raw or SmackDown. I was like, Sean, why are you so serious? But it looks like we're building to Dragunov versus Bron Breaker for the NXT title. Dragunov turned up. Yeah. And, ooh, ooh, that's my kind of NXT match, isn't it? 
They are they are build. I mean, it's just amazing. The calendar year we've had, the 12 months, has been extraordinary for wrestling fans. It really has. And the fact that you're getting back into NXT makes me happy. If nothing else, it makes me delighted but for honestly, you. Honestly, what it's like is, it's like I'd moved on from an ex. I haven't got a new relationship. I've moved on. I'm free of them. I'm playing the field. I'm seeing what's out there. And they've walked into a bar wearing my old favourite dress, and I'm just back at their house. That's what this is. And for some reason, Shawn Michaels is there. Yes, and I'm disappointed that Shawn Michaels is there. My old Shawn doesn't make sense. Hi, Shawn. Imagine that, by the way. (laughs) We go some weird tangents on this show. Imagine you were in a bar, and you went back to someone's house, and you walked in, and you're expecting what to happen that happens then. One night stands, that's the thing. And their dad was Shawn Michaels. (laughs) Who would You would have spent no time with the person you've gone home with. You'd just be with Shawn. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it, you go, all right, let's take this to its logical conclusion. You go back to their house thinking something's going to happen here, and then you get there, and for me, their dad is Jim Ross. For you, their dad is The Undertaker. Do you just have to stop what you initially had planned to say, sorry, I know we were going upstairs, but your dad is The Undertaker, your dad is Jim Ross. I'm staying down here. Sorry, love. Uh, absolutely. I, there is, I can't think of any situation where if I had the option to sit down and chat with the Undertaker, i choose to do the other thing, whatever it was. <laughs> Would you say to the other woman, rest in peace, love, rest in peace, yeah. sorry. Yeah, and then I'd do like that, and I'd Undertaker thing. <laughs> and he would look at you and go, get out. That's yes, my daughter. That's my... How, can you do... <laughs> How can you do that to my daughter? Right. I get big, I get big booted and just love it. <laughs> We we should very quickly move on to something very different. Let's do earning the push and back to developmental. Something from everyday life we love and want to see more of. Something we hate and we want to get rid of. Charlie, first or second? I'll go first. I've got two very quick ones today. Yep. Uh, back to developmental, we've got mice. Uh, I went to get a bagel the other day and they had been eaten. Oh. So we are having to deal with that and it's not fun. And the I don't know if this is like frowned upon now, but I put mouse traps out. Is that, like, inhumane? I don't know. And they haven't worked. I've come down this morning, and one of them has worked. Can I say, you might have the ballsiest mice in the world to be in a house with your dog, who is lovely, but is a big beast of a dog. Yeah, they just don't care. And also, like, my other half sent me a video last night while I was out. Now, the mice are now just walking around the floor while he's out there, almost teasing him. He runs after them. They go back under the little bits he can't get to. Oh, my goodness. Trouble, we had a mouse in our recycling, and I had to walk it across the street to the field because we're in rural Cornwall. That's what you do. You find a you're mouse. Also, you're more humane than me. You haven't put traps out. Uh, so that's our back developmental. Earn the push is my favourite types of mornings are starting to come back where I love autumn. Autumn's my favourite. Yes. I love autumn. And where they're not quite there yet because it's not quite cold enough. But I love, so I go out with Otto every morning. I love crisp clear sunny cold mornings they are my absolute favorite and i had one on wednesday where i could see my breath i was out at seven i could see my breath but i was still in shorts and a hoodie so it wasn't cold enough but i was like ah they're coming back and i know i sound like a 55 year old man but i love those mornings and they're just starting to come back and i'm so ready for them do you know what? I am with you on this. Uh, I'm going to send, though, back to developmental, the fear of de-icing, which leads on to what you're saying, because, yes, we're in that nice stage of autumn now, but soon it won't be long before the frosts come and you have to de-ice your car before you go anywhere. And as someone whose working routine regularly sees him have to get up at 3.30 in the morning, I hate having to de-ice the car at that time because you feel so bad for everyone who's trying to sleep. 
But also, it's so cold still that it takes longer. Yeah. Like, you have, to, you have to add an extra 10 or 15 minutes to your journey to de the car. Yeah, absolutely. So I hate it. I hate it. That's going back oh, to development. Also, I have so much fear when I see people just lobbing boiling water on their windscreen. I am not saying I do boiling water. You're asking for a crack, Merley. You're asking for one. That's what I say if I go back to... No, we'll leave that alone. Uh, but... As I said it, I realised. I thought, <laughs> is he going to pick up on it? And he did. Of course Good. I will. Of course I will. But no, just a little bit of lukewarm water is fine. You're asking, you're asking for a what's, shattered what's windscreen. What's wrong with lukewarm water? It's too quick a change and science happens and then... Science happens. Science happens. Well, I feel fully informed now. Now I know that science happens. So uh, that is going back to developmental. Uh, earning the push for me, uh, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but the Grand Tour is back on Amazon with a special, and it's very good, and I liked it. They go to Scandinavia, and this is uh, Richard Hammond, uh, Clarkson, and May, and it's very, very good. Yes, I watched it last week, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was the best they've done in a while. Yeah. I don't want to ruin bits for people, but there are bits that you're like, oh, God, didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, I know exactly the bit you're talking about, and you do go, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. That, that, right, okay. So do give it a watch if it's your type of thing. Um, It leads on to sort of a subsidiary one, which is I'm uh, giving the push to Scandinavia because we booked a short break to Stockholm. So that's coming up. Ooh, when are you going there? Uh, start of December, 24 hours. We're flying in very, very early on the Monday and leaving very, very late on the Tuesday. So we're literally doing a flying visit to Scandinavia, to uh, Stockholm, which is going to be lovely. That will be cold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, plenty of de-icing we went, then. We went a few years ago. We did a cruise of the Norwegian fjords, and it was stunning. You say... I'm a 55-year-old man at heart, and people won't believe it. And then they hear all the tidbits from your life. You drop in, and they go, no, he's not. He's, th- this is shoot. When Charlie says he's a 55-year-old man, it is a shoot. I was 23 when I did that. That was my holiday at 23 years old. That was my summer holiday as a 23-year-old man. Well, on that confession, we should probably wrap it up. Remember, keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you get the podcast from. If you love wrestling, tell other people about what we do here. Charlie, a non-wrestling-related final question to wrap up on. If you go into a tackle this weekend, if you down someone, can you promise the listeners you will whisper Judas Effect in the ear of the person you tackle, or is that a step too far? Uh, No, I'll do that. Okay. I'll do that. We'll hold you to it. Yeah, I'll do that. Who have you got this weekend? Coventry. All right, Coventry. Watch out. Judas Effect is coming, but we are out of time. On behalf of Charlie and myself, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Earning the Push. Until then, bye-bye.